and welcome to the latest episode of Ace Comicals. As always, I'm Greg and that's Leon over there. Hey, hey. Um, so we've got some really cool stuff to get around to today. Bit of a light one. Um, I, I like doing this because it's like kind of a break from the big deep dive stuff. Yeah, yeah. Some time <laughs> yeah. to relax. So we're getting a bit of a break from the big deep dive stuff and we're going and doing one of our sort of like usual normal light discussions around comics that we've read recently, upcoming titles, etc. So, um, yeah, excited to just vibe with some of the recent stuff that we've been reading. And uh, there's a really cool preview of an upcoming title from Avery Hill we've got for you later on as well. First, some general comics adjacent stuff. So what have we been doing? What have you been doing, Leon? How have you been? I've been good. I've been good. Uh, it's been a week, actually, since I actually saw you in the flesh. Yeah, man actual flesh which is uh, good times sounds weird doesn't it when you say i saw you in the flesh it's like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i saw your beast your form but uh yeah you were in town for the uh well for many things but we we hung out for the open mic eagle uh gig yeah. at jazz cafe last weekend with I mean, it was a full AC there because uh, Rahul was was there and hosting us afterwards as well. So yeah. it was it was quite nice to to hang out. I, it was I think it's the first time I'd actually seen you since the pandemic because I is wasn't around the, the last time you you came to London. Yeah, it is actually the first time that we have been physically inhabiting the same space since the pandemic. So it was really nice to catch up with you guys properly. Um, yeah, so it was Open Mike Eagle, Video Dave, and I can't remember who the third artist was on the bill. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's someone who I hadn't listened to before, so I don't have their name straight to uh, to hand. But, but we'll yeah. we'll find it and, and pop them in. But uh, yeah. they were really good as well. All, all three were really good. It was my second time seeing yeah. uh, Open Mike Eagle, and it, this, this set was just... Uh, it was really radiant and uh, a really good time. Yeah strange experience because we were seated yeah I'm, something yeah. i'm not used to at all first ever time i've been to a seated show yeah so. it, it was kind of weird because yeah. um like I, I i've been to like arena gigs where i've had like seats and stuff but this was completely different because the way a jazz cafe is the upstairs has like a balcony and you have seats but not just yeah you don't just have seats you have like a table and then they bring you a menu and you can order food as well as drink um, and, and we're not talking like your nachos and stuff. We're talking like you could get a steak, <laughs> uh, get a burger. Yeah. Or or like um, Sophie ordered, because she was there with us, um, a plate of sea bass. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Which is uh, it, it, it's kind of wild for me. And it, it, was, it was very different because I guess yeah. the closest thing I'd relate it to for like uh, US listeners would be like your... Alamo draft houses and for your UK listeners you're like your every man or you're like your director's hall or you're like um you know the, the special pricey tier when you go mm. to your slightly nicer cinema where they yeah. can bring you bring you food and table service and this is generally a thing I hate in the cinema I do like the tables and stuff but I always find the the employees are actually very loud when they when they come mid movie and give people their like bottles of wine and stuff but uh, this wasn't too bad. I think that the staff were pretty good at being quiet in between actual songs and would come up to you in, in the breaks and stuff. Yeah. And But 
I, me and Rahul were sat right on the balcony and it just kind of felt kind of weird to like be tucking into a burger or a steak. So I think we only only got fries and then uh, spent the rest of the time getting re-ups on our, on our beers. But oh, I was, got, yeah, great. I got, a, I got a vegan burger because yeah, why not? But it was, <laughs> yeah, it was a strange experience and I think I came out of it feeling like I had betrayed my punk sensibilities. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, every every punk grows up um, and becomes a homeowner and finds himself eating vegan burgers at gigs. <laughs> I know, I know. It just felt weird. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned the cinema and that brings me on to another item of business because uh, guess what came out that we're being a little bit late to the party to here, right? It's comicals. That's the new Batman film. Um, you'd think that we would have been a little bit more on it with that. What with like, you know, the... The, the the Batman fan pedigree that we come from here, but hey ho, yeah, um, we, we kind of got stuck because I saw it on release day, uh, but the podcasts that we've done since then haven't have been more like deep dives and interviews of people, so we haven't actually had a chance to talk about the things we've been watching in the I don't know how long it's been a month since it's been out, so yeah, the time time line is been kind of awkward for it mm. yeah i'm uh i'm going to be going on uh and discussing this with the mayor marder guys later on this month so we'll give you a heads up when that drops um you'll probably see uh, a bunch of social media about it and things like that uh, but that should be fun um yeah i mean it, it would be easy to compare it to like just like very quickly so the new, this new Batman film, obviously, I don't, I'm not going to go too deep into it or anything because I don't want to do like a big discussion. I just wanted to just say that I really enjoyed it and that it obviously does take a lot of notes from the long Halloween and it would be easy to make that comparison. Um, it has a lot of accents and shades and common ground with the long Halloween. It would also be easy to compare it to like to make the, the Frank Miller Batman year one comparisons because there is some of it, even though it's year two. This is supposed to be early in Batman's career, year, like second year of Batman's career. Um, there's a lot of like Batman year one influence with um, the way that Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman has been costumed and designed and things like that. So um, yeah, it, it owes a lot to that as well. But it's, I think that's on the surface. Like if you go a little bit deeper, like I was last night, because this is the second viewing sat in the cinema First viewing, you reminded me when you talked about director's lounge stuff when we were talking about the show because the first viewing I went to was a director's lounge viewing and there was a guy sat there with a bottle of champagne all to himself. <laughs> like the barman, when he ordered it, gave him two glasses and he just kind of like, I'll just have one glass, please. Was he one of Gotham's elite? He must have been if he's buying a champagne, <laughs> bottle of champagne all for himself. In Leicester of all places. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, Gotham's elite. Yeah. <laughs> um the thing I say every time I watch something Batman is that the, the Gotham city, Gotham city seems to be a New York, a version of New York that is perpetually stuck in the eighties. Yeah. Hyper. So in this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and we will know, we've all seen the reviews that compare the Riddler to the Zodiac killer and everything. So I don't need to like mention that or whatever, but it's like, it's just, it does. If you dig under the surface, there's a lot more there. There's a lot of, um, 
new 52 influence actually that i'll probably get into when i talk about it with the mayor murder guys but you can see a lot of influence on from coming in from like the new 52 as side of things um you've got like the no man's land zero year type stuff coming in you know uh riddler's dark dark city which is new 52 so it, it kind of has all of that going for it um and it's just it's just like a whole mixture of things there's a little bit of hush there's a little bit of um like i think i said to you like it was pra- i think i messaged you after the first time i saw it that it was practically an amalgamation of hush zero year and the long halloween yeah and put it all in a blender and ask Lebo Mayo to draw it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think that is pretty much it. Yeah. I, I, the only thing I would, I would then add is that then it's filtered through David Fincher movies mm. uh, pr- pretty heavily, like a, yeah. a, f- a fine grain filter, which um, I think all comes together to make quite a satisfying package. It's, it's a nice uh, reintroduction in, into this world. It's a novel... Well, it's weird to say novel because obviously it does feel like an amalgamation of other stuff. But I've heard some people say that they found it to be derivative of previous versions. But I, I kind of feel that's a bit of a reductive view yeah, to take. It is. You can't. But, yeah, because yeah. it, it, it does feel like a, an evolution. Like my my favorite thing with like comic book movies when it comes to like soups uh, type stuff is that because they've got so much like 60, 70, 80. Uh, in some cases, 90 years of history. I do like that you can just, like, pick and choose different elements from your favourite stories. Obviously, the dark side of that, which I don't want to get into super hard, is that um, the creators of all the different elements don't get their due in the way that they should. But uh, that aside, I do think uh, it is cool that you have all this rich history and you can take bits and pieces from different runs throughout the decades and then... Mold it into a thing of a particular story you're 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 trying to tell now in in, in this uh, day and age, and I I think that's cool, and I, I like I like all the cast, uh, I like the look of the movie, like the cinematographer of of that movie recently won an Oscar for his work on Dune, which mm. came out last year, but um like it it just has this great look to it, it has this grimy like rainy sort of halogen light ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah and then yeah and then on top of that uh Giacchino, Marco Giacchino just gives a uh a pretty phenomenal score which is uh, heavily influenced and interpolated uh the uh, the song that we've all heard um but like, uh, um it's all weaved together really well and it creates yeah. this nice cohesive movie the, the the one thing i'd say though and your mileage may, may vary is that it does feel like obviously a lot much has been made about the length which i didn't feel was too bad but it does kind of feel semi-episodic in the way it plays out and it does kind of feel you're watching like a, a six episode miniseries all in one at times but i didn't mind that too much because uh yeah i i was i I was I was just grinning uh, pretty much the whole time. Uh, yeah. For, for when like bits of like then you have like voiceover going on and the fact that it, it it feels very like as grounded as it is and you've got like the new Batmobile which is like a muscle car and stuff like that. As grounded as it feels, it also feels super comic book in a way that 
other recent movies haven't in the sense of like Batman's relationship to the police and mm. just how everyone inhabits Gotham and the fact that Gotham didn't just start when the movie starts. It, it's nice that it is a year two and there's things that have already been happening before this movie that have that have come into play. Like it, it's uh, it's it's quite fun. Like it feels like it's li- a living, breathing world in in a fun way that we we haven't really got cinematically really since like the uh, TAS uh, Phantasm yeah. movie and, and I guess the other TAS and uh, like style movies that uh, came out alongside the series. Like yeah. those obviously like there was the world going on the whole time and mm. this is the closest that it feels like because like the Nolan trilogy which listen off the show know that I, I love so much so much and The Dark Knight is like up there as my favourite comic book movie uh, or one of my favourite comic book movies is um, that starts on Batman Begins like nothing's going on before Batman puts on the cow pretty much mm. um, and then we won't we won't really talk about the Snyder movies too much but uh it it is really cool to have be in an early stage, but everything is in motion already because it gets really tiring just constantly rebooting and having new yeah, intros just for people. The beginning again and again and again and again. Like I was saying, I think I said to you, like I, I WhatsApped you after I watched it, and I was like, "Where were the pearls?" Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's the first Batman film where I haven't seen a string of pearls hit the dirty ground in a puddle. And that's um, what you, like, yeah, like, where, like, obviously, spoilers for the Joker, which is a 2019 movie. Uh, but like, when that even happens in the Joker, like, oh my god, I was like, ah, can we never escape this? Can we never <laughs> escape it? <laughs> it's it's 2019, and I'm watching Martha and Thomas Wayne get shot behind. The <laughs> cinema. It's 1989, and I'm watching Martha and Thomas Wayne get shot behind a cinema. That's how it feels. But yeah, at least it didn't happen this time. And you know what? Yeah, you're right. It is very comic booky. It does feel very graphic novelly. And I think that's why, like, I didn't feel the length of it at all. Yeah. Like, it didn't feel like a three-hour film. Honestly, didn't. And do you know what? Side note, do you know, um, ages ago when I sent you the um, Francesco Francovilla Batman 1972 concept art? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so those of you who don't know, um, if you Google... Um, Francesco Francovilla, Batman 1972. Uh, you'll be able to find a bunch of cool concept art he did for something that should be made as far as I'm concerned because I really want to see it in print. But it's a, a Batman that's set firmly in the 70s with the 70s aesthetic and everything else. And you know the Batmobile in the in this uh, this Francovilla concept art is a muscle car. And it's yeah. all kind of like orange and black orange to red and black kind of look to it all and everything. And it just kind of has that feel about it. And I can't help but think that someone saw this when they were deciding. um, I I can't help but think someone saw this when they were deciding on an aesthetic, basically. Yeah. All he needs is uh, the turtleneck and it's... uh... He's there. (laughs) In the sequel, he needs a turtleneck and and a cigarette and it's pretty much the same. Yeah, exactly. Because it even has the red, like the red tint as well. Yeah, that the, the movie has. Yeah, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to your your chat with uh, friends of the pod, the Myamada guys. Like uh, those discussions are always really um, in depth and meaty, but not in an alienating way. And 
it was fun. It was fun uh, when I was on with those guys. So, and I'm really looking forward to listening to you guys um, dig into the Batman. Yeah, man, I'm fun. I'm looking forward to getting to dig into it deep and maybe get them to come away with some uh, a handful of books like I usually do. <laughs> yeah, and I think like with this, even myself, I, I came away um, pick, uh, picking up a bunch of books that were in my like, um, in my blind spot in, in a bit. Uh, so like one of the ones I picked up since watching the movie, I haven't read it yet, but um, you spoke about it last year because um, I think, maybe, did they do City. like a re-release? No, City, it was no. Ego. Um, oh, Ego, yes, yes, yeah. Ego. Yeah, that's, uh, so that's yeah. really cool that is. And yeah, but I, I picked up a bunch. Dark City was uh, uh, one of the ones I did pick up. I think I picked up about five because I, I obviously own a bunch. Was it already. Dark City, the new 52 or Dark Knight, Dark City? Is it Dark Knight, Dark City I'm thinking of, which is the one where it's the story of the Riddler in in the... It's like an, a, a late 80s, early 90s Batman book. I believe it is is that one. Yeah. Uh, if I just open up my thing, but I, I believe it is that one because uh, yeah. it is a, it's a Riddler story. Yeah, Dark Knight, Dark something City. Something called Cult of Barbatus. Yes. Yeah, it's that one. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and th- yeah, there's a few that I I missed. Uh, so, like you mentioned previously, Zero Year. I just never mm. got around to reading that, so I picked that up. So, um, yeah, but I haven't yeah. read it yet, so I'm looking forward to going going hardcore full Batman for the first time since I was maybe in my early twenties. Yeah, man. It's a good place to be. It is. Speaking of, uh, like, Moon Knight, like, did you come away from... Because the first two episodes of Moon Knight are out now on Disney+, Plus, uh, and it is quite... It is It is very good. Um, I have some criticisms of it, but it's only the fact that I think it's a little bit too upbeat in places. <laughs> I think it's too... Um, Has that Marvel bounce... Yeah, and it, I, I, I think, I think that works. It for you know a lot of other things, but for Moon Knight, I think that doesn't work because of some of the stuff that it deals with. Is it a case where, unfortunately, Moon Knight has come at a time when all the Netflix stuff has now moved to uh, Disney? Where like if Moon Knight had dropped in that Defenders era Netflix, it would have. The, the tone of it would have matched a bit more. Maybe, but then I also think that they would have done something very weird to it, like they did with Danny Rand. And I didn't like <laughs> what they did to Danny Rand. So da- Danny Rand is how it <laughs> fell off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because yeah. I really liked... Oh, Again, again I've, I've spoken about this on the podcast, but I really liked uh, Daredevil, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones um, and Punisher my my only criticism really for those shows is that they were trying there's too many episodes like there's like 12 13 episodes in those seasons and they should have really been eight at most um but i really had a good time watching those shows even though they were too long and then it was during iron fist i just i couldn't do it anymore and because of that i've never seen the various season threes of all those shows i never saw the defender show because i just couldn't get through iron fist it's not that I couldn't do it anymore. It's just that I got sick of looking at Danny Rand staring at his fist like it was the first time he'd ever seen it glow and then doing nothing with it. And also just being such a whiny, whiny, whiny asshole the whole yeah. time. Like, and it, it, the it, worst character. 
it was extra annoying for me as well because it, it was clear while watching it and then later we found out found this to be the truth but the uh, the main actor who was playing him just didn't put in all the work f- to make the fight scene do like learn the fight choreography so it's a lot of like bad fight choreography when you can see his face and then like stunt stunt people stuff and it it was annoying and like super incongruent because you would um you'd watch his like weird scenes he's meant to be a kung fu master and it looks like some off-brand cw show and then they would have um uh colleen wing jessica henwick and you could tell that she learned all the choreography because uh like her, her like uh, fight scenes from what I saw were pretty good, mm. and that it's a it's a wonder why one of them ended up in the new Matrix movie and the other one we don't know what's happened to him. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. But yeah, I mean, I I really do enjoy. I'm enjoying Moon Knight. Um, I just wish that they turned down the Marvel clown makeup a little bit. The Disney clown, the Disney clown makeup, just a tad. Um, because yeah, I think I it, that. yeah, you, you see what I'm talking about. It, it yeah. kind of detracts from it a little bit, but otherwise it's great. I'm enjoying yeah, it. I like it. I, I think cause it's so early, that stuff hasn't bumped me as much as it has you, but also I'm less familiar with the character as well. Uh, but generally that stuff does actually annoy me a lot with, um, Marvel stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying the first few episodes, but this, mm. it, it really is, I guess most of these shows are. But it really is one of those ones where it's kind of like a long movie. It's yeah. not. It's not episodic television. It is you're getting a piece of the story because I'm not two, two episodes in. Yeah. Uh, really, we don't know much at all. Really, like yeah. uh, considering like we've spent nearly two hours in that world, we still don't know that much. But it is fun to hang out with Oscar Isaac mm. and uh, the supporting cast are, are pretty fun as well. It's uh, it's good, but like like I said, I, I think because um, there is humor in Moon Knight. There's humor in the Moon Knight comics, of course, you know. But it picks its moments better, I think. And I think the show, it it, it it's not. It's like there's there's um, it's too constant. It needs to pick its moments a bit better, I think. But yeah, otherwise it's great. Yeah, especially because um, it it does start yeah. off quite dark, um, and then <laughs> then you spend a bunch of scenes with. Uh, the most Londony London people who ever Londoned, yeah, <laughs> like all of his co-workers and stuff. Uh, with, yeah, yeah. All of uh, Stephen's co-workers, which are which are kind of funny, but like I do think episode two starts to orient it a bit more. So maybe mm. episode three onwards, it'll be less a bit less bouncy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm enjoying it. And I, I like that. it's different from the other MCU shows that we've had so far. Yeah, definitely. Fun fact, I've been to some of the filming locations without realising, because they're in Hungary. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were watching it the other day and Sophie's like, I recognise that. And she's like, oh yeah, I'm not going to tell you what it is because that would spoil the show for people. But there's, part, there's, there's, there's locations in there that are like in Hungary. Um, various yeah. uh, locations they use, and and I've been to them. In fact, uh, I've had photographs taken of me in some of them. But yeah. <laughs> you were scouting your location scout. <laughs> yeah, 
without uh, even realising, yeah. I also have a fun fact. I've yeah. also been to locations in uh, Moonlight, <laughs> but the London ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so have I. <laughs> but that's like seeing Camden in Eternals and going, I've been there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that still that still kind of blows my mind. Like everywhere else in London, like you see, like um, the Houses of Parliament and Piccadilly Circus all the time. But Camden, there's something about Camden which just still sticks in my mind as weird. Camden feels like a secret. That's why, <laughs> even though it's not, it's like it's one of those places that feels like it should be a secret. I don't know why. I don't know why it has that vibe. It just does. Um. But yeah, I think uh, so we're going to move on from there into today's comics and we are going to open up with um, the next one in the Marvel Grand Design series, which is Hulk Grand Design. So this is Hulk Grand Design. Um, I think it's going to be two parts. This is part one. It's called Monster. I think the second part's called Madness. Um, and I think it is only going to be two parts. So this is the latest installment in Marvel's Grand Design series. Um, they call it a franchise on the Marvel website. I don't like that. I, I, I don't <laughs> like the word franchise. <laughs> I'm sick of the word franchise. So we're calling it a series. So it's the latest installment in Marvel's Grand Design series. It's not a fucking McDonald's. It's not a franchise. At least they didn't um, call it IP or content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> the latest grand, the latest NFT in the Marvel. No, no. I'm not going there. <laughs> Uh, this time covering the Hulk from his introduction into the Marvel Universe, his beginnings in 1962, right into the 80s. Um, similar format as with its siblings, X-Men Grand Design and Fantastic Four Grand Design by Ed Pisker and Tom Scioli, um, respectively. Um, and this again, this is by another person that is known for cartoonist kayfabe as well. So this is like, I think, I think, I think this is pretty much everyone that does... I think this is like the main guy... All the main guys from Cartoonist Kayfabe now have done a Marvel Grand Design series. Um, because this is Jim Rugg and he's like the... Um, he's he's like uh, Ed Pisker's co-host on Cartoonist Kayfabe. Yeah. So, yeah. And again, it's a one-man show. It's all Jim Rugg. I do um, kind of like that you have these, uh, and I mean this in a good way, but these D-gens getting to, uh, <laughs> to, tell, to, to tell, like, the uh, the history of these, like, uh, iconic yeah. characters. There's something quite, you, um, quite fun about to that. Say, what you mean to say is, is indie zine-style artists. <laughs> hey, man, I, I read the, the other comic that you read with me. Um, the, uh, what's that one called again? The Video Nasties. Yeah, oh, I, the Fantagraphics uh, joint. I can't remember what it's called though. The Ed Pisker one. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So I, I understand why you're using the word DGen. Don't worry, but yeah. But I, I say that, D, I say DGen lovingly because I'm a yeah. DGen too. Yeah, it's it's that zine style. Yeah, um, that that grubby sort of like aged zine retro, but not retro with modern sensibilities. Um. Yeah, and I, like it, it's it's just super cool that like th- that collective are getting to to do to do these do these books, and I I think it 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 bears out in how they do them um, mm. because uh, 
they could very much be formulaic rundowns, like visual Wikipedia entries um, done done incorrectly. But uh, the way that these have been done, it's uh, like way more captivating. But I'll, I'll let fun. you get into it. Yeah, it's fun. So yeah, I mean, like it, it, as we know, we know what the the score is with grand design stuff by now. It is basically the Hulk, like life and times of the Incredible Hulk. Um, in publication in the Marvel universe from beginnings up to the eighties, I think this first one runs up to the up into the eighties. So um, Jim Rugg has a style that lends itself well to this kind of work. He works in a retro aged style that blends modern elements with Bronze Age aesthetic and feeling, and he adapts his style as required to fit the subject matter as we travel through time with the Hulk. So as we begin in the sixties, he's got more of a silver age style. And then that kind of just changes throughout. Um, and he really does nail it. Like, um, there's a lot of collage artwork in a lot of collage work in there as well, uh, which is really, really cool. Um, a lot of mixed media. Um, it really does showcase his talent. He, he goes, he goes, he goes to town like with all the different ways and, and things he does to, to kind of like show things visually in this book. And um, there's like some of the paneling in it is, is stunning. It, it all looks so raw, but it's all filled with admiration and love for the character and the artists and writers that brought him to life over the years. And I can't wait for the next part. Like these, in, these, these layouts that are like, um, you got panels that look like house ads. Yeah. And then you've got panels that look like, um, like jotting in a notepad. Yeah, exactly. In the middle panels, of class, panels that look like notepad in a classroom. Yeah, like like someone's biro drawing because they were bored in a science class or something. Um, and it, these uh, these panels and styles just transcend time. It just looks absolutely amazing. Uh, I think one of my favourite pages actually that I picked out was the uh, the ballpoint pen cover of Incredible Hulk one eight one. Yeah, yeah, I knew that would be. I knew that yeah. would be. <laughs> I love that one. I love that so much. That ballpoint pen cover. He's got there's a, a single page in it, and it, he's done like a ballpoint pen drawing of the the cover of Hulk one eight one, which is Hulk versus Wolverine. And it's like a lined page, like it's, yeah. it's, it's it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's it's so amazing. It's it's uh, something I probably did when I was age fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, and uh, it's yeah, it's just a beautiful, beautiful book. And if you've ever been like it's i mean obviously you know we all know or a lot of us that are comic fans know the the general beats of the of the incredible hulk and and, and what happens it's not like the x men where it's a little bit more esoteric um or a little bit more of a tangle shall we say continuity wise where it's like you you need that um you you need someone to like x men x men's a little bit more inaccessible than the hulk i think um and but but i i feel like it's still a a pretty cool thing and if you are um if you are you know if you want the general beats of the hulk's publication history if you want to know the hulk's history in in the marvel timeline in earth 616 then this is a great place to start because it gives you an overview gives you leaping on points for certain stories in the back as always there's like a reference catalog of um, different issues and moments that are referenced and what books they're from and what runs they're from so you can go pick them out and read them so you get the greatest hits if you want to go that little bit deeper it's it's like a really it's like a nice reference comic to have actually 
in that way. Um, the same as the Fantastic Four one, the same as the X-Men one. Probably not as necessary as the X-Men one in that way. Because um, I think, like I said before, I think X-Men continuity is a little bit more complicated and grand design for anyone who's new to X-Men is a godsend. Hmm. But um, yeah, this is... Uh, this is still this is still really cool and still pretty uh, still a pretty awesome thing to have and I cannot wait for part two. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'll echo what you said. And one of my favorite things uh, throughout this series that is echoed here is just this great marriage of like a modern sensibility, but like the art feels very classical. Yeah, like you could. I reckon you could trick someone and uh, tell them that this is just a reprint of a comic that came out decades ago. Oh, and yeah. uh, it, it, they, they would believe it because it, it has... Uh, like, there's something about the look of these Grand Designs book. Uh, it's the paper that, they're printed on as well. Yeah, it's the paper. They, they give me, like, a nostalgia burst. And mm. just for, like, how they look, they, they remind me of the early Marvel comics that I, I would pick up. And, you know, there's big anthologies where you've got, like, 50 issues or something. Mm. And and uh, it'd be like Fantastic Four or the Hulk or X Men or Spider Man, and it's just that the old school style, the way the backgrounds are done, the block coloring, like all of that. But then it's the modern sensibility where, uh, like characters speak like normal human beings and stuff, <laughs> uh, and and they're not like hyper didactic on every every single thing they're doing, and it it always like blows my mind and it's especially it's, it's like hyper evident in the x-men one but it's really evident here as well how this because they're covering so much history they're moving at such a, a pace but it never feels rushed you never really feel dizzied uh it it just moves really quickly as you go through through the history of these characters and Obviously, there's like condensing and cleaning and and, and simplification, uh, or un- uncomplications a better word for it. Uh, Untangling. Yeah, and but like it all moves at quite a nice pace. That mm. you're reading a really fun book, but also getting so much of the character's history in. Because uh, there's stuff that I'd forgotten about Hulk reading the first uh, like thirty pages or so, and I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd forgotten about this part of the origin and th- this part of the early days. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun to go through and, um, yeah, I'll definitely, I'll definitely recommend it. Like, as you say, uh, the whole continuity is less convoluted going in. Yeah. Um, but, um, I still think this is, a, a vital comic. If you are a fan of the character, uh, and just, um, like curious at all anyway, like mm. about um, deconstruction. Cause I, I think um, in popular culture, especially in, in recent times, Hulk's kind of suffered because cinematically Hulk hasn't had a solo movie since the incredible Hulk in 2008. And that's because universal hold the rights, but Disney ho- have the rights to the character, but universal have the rights to distribution of a movie. So it's why that Hulk just, is only in the Avengers movies or in like for Ragnarok. And I think that it's cool. And I, I love me some MCU, uh, Hulk. And I like elements of like the 
Edward Norton early MCU Hulk, and I I like elements of the the Ang Lee Hulk, and obviously I love the TV show, uh, and I, I really like the uh, the cartoon that came out the in the nineties, yeah, yeah. Um, which which Hulk. had like the, the best intro ever, yeah, like visuals and music, yeah, um, but like I do think that having the Hulk be sort of the super side character that we only see in Avengers movies has kind of made people on a, as a whole forget about the tragedy and really, really like cool and interesting internal battles that, that Banner has with the Hulk and that not being out in the open. I think people forget what, what a interesting and complex character that the Hulk ca- can be because now it's almost memeified where it's like, uh, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry and just like being, being funny and sort of, sort of like limited speech, smash, smash, smashy Hulk, which is like fun yeah. stuff. But like, there's like really like cool concepts to do with like the id and, um, like it, 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 internal battles and stuff that I really love about the Hulk as well. And the Hulk has such a bonkers uh, rogues gallery that you don't really see uh, that much as well that I quite like. So it is fun to um, like have this, and I hope more people can, like who uh, are kind of ignorant about the Hulk can can pick this up and uh, and uh, get into it and get a, get a bit more uh, gamma green meat. Yeah, it was nice to see the leader, who I'm convinced is. Uh, related to Vegeta in some way. <laughs> yeah, I think I love the lead and that you have that tease in Incredible yeah. Hulk and then we just get nothing else. We just get mm. nothing else. Yeah. And the the, the leader's great. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a fantastic bad guy. <laughs> yeah. It was it was good to it was good to get into that and read that again. I yeah, it reminds you of, you know, the the wealth of history that these characters have and things and Bouncing off that and going back to the last episode we did where we discussed Crisis on Infinite Earths and this whole discussion about DC continuity and everything else that we had. Mm. How cool would it be to see like a Superman grand design type thing or a Batman grand design or Flash grand design? It it would be like super cool. It sounds mega hard. (laughs) Like (laughs) I wouldn't want to be the person to do it. Yeah. Like... If someone pulling it off would deserve the Nobel Peace Prize or something, because yeah, uh, yeah it, it sounds it sounds like it'd be like doing rocket science and brain surgery at the same time. But yeah. if you managed it, it, it would be so cool because, like, even after all these resets and crises and stuff, DC <laughs> uh, continuity is so convoluted still. That like if someone managed to thread that needle, they're <laughs> a genius. <laughs> yeah, if you if you're listening and you want a challenge and you happen to be, um, a comics a comics creator, then uh, there's a little brainworm for you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, that is Hulk Grand Design. So yeah, that is entirely the work of Jim Rugg. Um, he's it's a one man band style thing. Um, next one on our list is, uh, Batman Beyond the White Knight. So this is 
um, the, ne- the the latest in the Batman White Knight universe type stuff, the uh, Murphy verse, as people call it, or as I like to call it, um, Sean Earthy. Uh, because in the naming convention of the DC multiverse and the very, I mean, this is supposed to be a standalone thing, like a free standalone world, but in the naming convention of DC multiverse and, you know, earth five, one, whatever, this will be Sean earthy. Um, and, uh, yeah. So we at Ace Comicals, we love us a bit of Batman white Knight, And, um, yeah, it's, um, I love this little self-contained take on the Batman saga. I love the fresh take and the way that Sean Murphy works with the mythos to sculpt something entirely new and exciting and exciting on existing bones. So like the basic skeletons there, but then the musculature of the thing and the squishy bits, the stuff that counts is all him. Um, and uh, he does like a really, really awesome job with it. So if I just run down the credits, it's uh, Sean Murphy is your artist and your uh, writer, Dave Stewart on colours and uh, and well design for lettering. And uh, yeah, so in case you haven't guessed, uh, it's called Batman Beyond the White Knight. So uh, this is going to be bringing Terry McGuinness into the White Knight universe. Um, it's their take on the age of Terry McGuinness and Batman Beyond. So... It's set 10 years after the events of the previous um, White Knight stuff, which was Curse of the White Knight, which was all that um, all that Azrael stuff that they did previously. Uh, Batman, the world knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Batman's in prison uh, after turning himself over to the police and giving all his money to Gotham. Um and uh we pick up there basically 10 years later um and yeah um oh yeah also the after this in the summer actually i wanted to mention there's going to be a um a two issue spin off that follows the red hood because they do something really interesting with jason todd in this world as well which i'm quite cool which is quite cool um so yeah it's uh, curse of the white knight covers the Azrael stuff and a battle for the heart of gotham which i won't go into deeply but it's awesome and some big revelations and shocks um and this just follows on from that and it, again there's some big twists and some big revelations it just does something very very different with the existing story of terry mcginnis and batman beyond and it's just always interesting and cool to see um and i can't wait for more and one day there's going to be a big old hardback that collects the lot and i'm probably going to end up buying it yeah that Um, is a a definite done deal yeah for sure i mean the art's always gorgeous i love seeing how the pieces fit together i love these fresh twists and turns and fresh ways of looking at existing characters because sean murphy gets the toys out of the box and he just gets to do whatever he likes with them um in this one there's some really nice uh, jason todd and bruce wayne reconciliation um and uh in this particular issue and the white knight saga continues to be innovative and exciting so yeah i would uh i would suggest picking this up and checking it out um if you're a batman fan which i assume you are if you listen to this podcast because uh, <laughs> what what have you been doing for the past 129 episodes because <laughs> <laughs> we talk about a lot of batman but um yeah no we um yeah so I'm uh, yeah, I'm I'm hyped for this because it's that neo Gotham futuristic thing. Terry McGuinness 
Batman Beyond, uh, Time to Dig Out the Blu-rays, I think, as well. I might have to re-watch all of Batman Beyond now. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah um, I, I really liked um, White Knight, and I'm looking forward to, to digging into this, because um, yeah. I love uh, Batman Beyond, I love Terry McGuinness, and uh, I think it's, like you said, I, I really enjoy... I, I, I like... I, I'm sick of continuity, so I really like um, your various different yeah. takes and your, your sort of sort of pocket universes or your Elseworlds tales and all that. I I really like when yeah. you can just have a nice contained story where it's like, okay, I'm going to grab these characters, grab these characters, and then I'm going to do this with them. And I like yeah. that's one of my favorite things with uh, big superhero comics and a lot of my mm. favorite comics on both sides of the aisle if we're talking about the big two are more of these what um not well like one and done or like their own contained universe style stuff rather than it be like i don't know issue 300 and this person the granddaughter of this person and blah 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 like i just don't have (laughs) the (laughs) bandwidth for that and i never really did even when i was younger um but i really like these contained stories where yeah uh, it's using different characters to to tell a a very particular story and, and and get at different things and sort of take us as an audience to a different angle of this world and yeah. to reveal um, a few uh, a few finer details and to, to dig in to, uh, the, to the like interiority of characters that we don't really get to do that as much because. Um, in normal story, it, it might break the story in some ways. Um, and I like that you can get, go here and do these wild things and get inside these characters and well, never sacrificing on the, the frills and the, and the funds. Um, so yeah, that's a thumbs up for me on previous white night. And I'm really looking forward to, to reading this one. Yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, there's some, there's some gorgeous, gorgeous artwork in here as usual. And it is just issue one. So I'm waiting to see what they do with um, with Terry McGuinness going forward. And uh, it is, um, there's some really, they do some really cool things with the character design. Um, this one has got a lot of Jason Todd in it, which I like because, you know, I, I like Jason Todd. Yes, I'll admit it. That's, I think that's my unpopular what? That's that's going to be my unpopular comics opinion. My Marmite you're, comics opinion is the fact that you, I like Jason Todd. You're you're an edge lord, is what you're saying. <laughs> I'm not an edge lord. I just like Jason Todd. <laughs> um, like you're you're an edge lord, and I'm a degen. That's what we've uh, we've said <laughs> yeah. on this podcast. Yeah, edge lords and degens, like a really bad version <laughs> of D and D. But um, I'm excited to see what they do with Terry McGuinness going forward, and because um, a lot of this stuff that um, Sean Murphy does is very kind of like. Um, vehicle vehicle heavy he he does a lot of like really cool vehicle designs and there's a lot of um a lot of car stuff in here and things like that so i'm looking forward to see what they do with terry mcginnis's uh batmobile because he has that flying yeah like it's almost like the bat the um the batwing batwing or the batplane yeah yeah but it's not it's something it's like some hover car thing i'm looking forward to see what they do with that because that's going to be pretty interesting but the suit's cool anyway. I like yeah. the, the white knight design of the white knight touches on the suit because it's it's the it's the the 
the pure Batman Beyond suit because you can't really do a lot else with it. You can't really like alter it that much because it's such an iconic design. But then it has um, other elements and things like it. It just looks cool. And I'm, I, you know, I like seeing Sean Murphy go to work. So I'm always happy to see more. So we'll see where that goes. Um, onwards from there, this is uh, a preview that we're into now. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to touch on some other stuff as well, actually, because Avery Hill sent us a bunch of stuff. Um, Primarily, they sent us a book called 2120, which we'll get into a little bit deeper in a moment. But they also sent us some uh, previews of upcoming titles um, in autumn this year, which uh, I'm pretty excited about because they look pretty cool. Um, So they have announced two new releases for autumn 2022. The first one is a book called Suzanne. Uh, Suzanne, the Jazz Age Goddess of Tennis, which I'm looking forward to. Hopefully we will get forward a review copy of this because this looks kind of cool. The art looks kind of jazzy. And I'm into the idea of the story of this. So this is the story of um, Suzanne Lenglen, who um, she was, uh, she changed the face of sport and society in the trailblazing Jazz Age as the, uh, the, Uh, press release puts it um she was one of the greatest tennis players the world had ever seen uh and she's a woman that few even remember so she was a championship player by the age of 15 in europe and overshadowed by impending war uh suzanne langland broke records for ticket sales and match winning streaks scandalized and entranced the public with her playing outfits and became a pioneer making friends and enemies throughout restrictive tennis society in the trailblazing jazz age um yeah, and it just basically explores this woman's life and, um, you know, her various struggles and battles that she had to fight throughout her career in tennis. Um, and, um, yeah, the, the the forging of a new path and the fact that she kind of changed the sport forever going forward. Uh, so I'm quite interested in that. I'm quite interested in learning a little bit more about early tennis because... I've seen videos of early tennis matches and things and I've seen, um, I was discussing this with Sophie actually, it's fairly restrictive when you look at how women used to have to dress to play tennis, you know, with like the super long skirts and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I feel um, that this has got, I feel that this might have something to do with that, with her changing um, the the, convers- the the way that women uh, dress to play tennis and things like that. Maybe she had a shorter skirt or something. I, I'm interested to see where this book goes because I don't, obviously I know nothing about Suzanne Leglin and I'm interested to learn and I want this comic to be my avenue into that. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, That comes out on the 1st of September in the UK. Uh, That is the 8th of September in America. The second one um, is a book called Senan, uh, which is by Shanti Rai. Um, And this is 20th of October in the UK, 27th of October in North America. Um, as the press release puts it, Senan's life is mostly perfect, spending her days tending the fields in her idyllic village and her evenings with her beloved family, all tucked into the crook of a green and beautiful valley. And if it wasn't for the massed figures descending from the hills with increasing regularity to take their harvested food to deliver to their gods, she'd have no worries at all. But when the demands for tribute strike closer to home, Senan is forced to flee the paradise of her valley and venture into the home of the gods to save her family and their way of life. 
only to discover that those we worship are not always what they seem and their li- and the lives we lead are not always so simplistic after all. Um, so this is um, the debut graphic novel from uh, British author and artist Shanti Rai. And it tells a timeless tale of adventure and the discoveries we make as we explore beyond the boundaries of our childhood into the uncertainty of the adult world. Um, and yeah, it, it looks gorgeous uh, from the various shots that we've been sent, pages that have been sent for preview. Um, I will include some of the st- some of the um, the press release stuff that I've been sent here in the show notes for this show. So you can have a closer look at it and obviously see what we're talking about because it looks great. Uh, but there's two to watch that we've been sent by Avery Hill. And then uh, on to the, uh, the book that we were sent a review copy of, which is 2120 by George Wilesoul. Now, this is a bit different because this isn't really just a comic. This is like a, a comic that this is a point and click adventure dis- cleverly disguised as a comic, I think, is the easiest way to describe this. And... Uh, <laughs> I love it. It's a beautiful piece of sequential art. So this was sent to us by Avery Hill. Um, it's a preview. Um, it'll be published 19th of May in the UK, 26th of May in the US. Um, retail around 19.99 in the UK, uh, $26.95 in the US. Um, so it's super interesting. It's a love letter to point and click adventure games, but in a sequential art comic form. Um, we had a digital preview of this and it's really cool and it works. I think it probably works a lot better as a physical book. Um, and I cannot wait to get my hands on a paper copy because I feel like it will work so much better as a paper copy. Um, to be able to sit and read it that way will be amazing. Uh, also, uh, when you do, if you do pick this up and decide to read it, take a pad and a, take a a pen and a pad with you. Because uh, you're going to need to jot notes down to solve puzzles. It's, it's <laughs> that kind of book. Um, yeah, it has this like simple and clean flat graphic style that works really well with the jarring and strange journey that you end up taking as you wonder about the infinite always of 2120. So what I'll do is I'll just give you the blurb. So you are Wade, a schlubby middle-aged computer repairman sent to fix a computer in a vacant nondescript office building. <laughs> Uh, When you get inside, the door locks behind you and you can't get out. Now the adventure begins. You have to explore this building and try to find your way home. The building is huge on the inside with a lot of sprawling hallways and empty rooms. But your only hope is to uncover clues and try to work out the mystery that this whole experience hangs on. Um, So, Leon, uh, let's get your thoughts, first of all, on 2120. What, what uh, What did you get from it? Uh, I I, I love that. Um, like to bounce with your um, your like thoughts going in, but I liken this to more so like a choose your own adventure book in its like prime form, where it it really did take me back to the books I used to read a lot when I was younger. Where and it's like to solve yeah, like, but of those it, it wasn't really a puzzle. It was you're reading a story or an adventure or a puzzle or something, um, sorry, an adventure or something like that. And then it'll be like, okay, what do you want to do left or right? And then you say, right. So you, you turn to page 98 and, and then you follow on from there. And this is like a similar setup, but it's a lot more, it's a lot more active 
because it is like an adventure game in the sense where there's there's puzzles to solve there's information to glean and there's a place to explore and exploring that place is is really fun and um it, it it's like really deceptive because as you start going in everything's quite this like empty sparse office uh and the the deeper you go in the uh the more of a like nightmare hellscape it it, it becomes it really like I, I think we're probably in a in a some sort of movement right now or some sort of a thing going on with the the true hell of like endless nightmare corporate liminal high uh, hallways <laughs> like because you've you've got like uh this you've got the Apple TV show Severance, which um, an element of the show Severance does involve this super like endless blank uh, space, uh, like office space, and going between offices is this labyrinth like maze of corridors. And I was saying to uh, Rahul the uh, the other day uh, we were talking about Severance because that recently finished and uh, I was saying that um, it isn't like the any sequence in that show which involves the hallways doesn't just terrify me because of the whole sort of corporate hell like liminal space element of it but it's also because I have a terrible sense of direction and I just know that if I walked down any of those hallways some years later, people would find my corpse where I just got lost and never made it back. You wouldn't last five minutes in 2120. No way. <laughs> um, and uh, there's that recent, uh, semi-recent like YouTube horror series, which is set in a like scary office space. I can't remember the, the name of them at the, at the moment. I'll, I'll, p- I'll pick it up and come back later to it. But like, they're, they're, like it just feels like, Maybe it's now that everyone's been forced to go back to the offices for for those who are allowed to work from home for so long. But like it, the true hell of like office spaces, it's like people have had some time to reflect on just the hell of the rat race. And uh, <laughs> now we're getting a lot of like stories, which um, and I know a lot of these were in the work long before the pandemic, anyway. But it's 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 a fun, um, <coughs> pointless generalization. Um, conversational topic to, to to like exercise to do but like yeah, yeah it's just funny because a lot of them are hitting now for like at the same time and they all give me that same familiar dread and but with this it, it's not just dread it's like fun because i i do like exploring this space and it, it is fun to to go back and forth in, in these pages um and to to get deeper um into this place and then come up against a locked door of some sort and piece back all the puzzles and obviously people who listen to the show know that know that they're all avid uh, avid gamers so like uh, in ways i'm playing it like a game rather than how how i play it as an actual human in this situation and that's more so that like i'm taking the path that i think is not going to be the path just so i can explore that space and then i'm like okay let me do the the, the go let me go into the direction that i think the story is going which is what i do in all video games where like 
I don't want to trigger the cutscene or the boss before I've like checked all the different um, yeah. avenues and rooms and stuff to, and f- for whatever's in there. Uh, so I'm playing it like like that in that way, and it, it's like super fun. It's super fun, like getting deeper and deeper and getting getting glimpses of the utter nightmare madness that is underneath the surface here, and <laughs> like every different element of a creepy thing. Um, that is just inherently creepy is here in some form um, at, at where I am at, the, at this this stage, which is, uh, I was saying to Greg just before recording, I think I'm two thirds or maybe three quarters of the way through, uh, judging from where I am roughly in the book. But like um, getting deeper and deeper into this, this hellscape, like I can't turn around uh like I'd have to go back so many pages just to get back to that front locked door. I think at the moment I am in the belly of the beast, and yeah. it, 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 it's just thinking about that is chilling. Like I'm not, yeah, I'm not even the dude in the book because you yeah. play you play as this guy. It's not you. You're playing as this guy. You're role playing as this guy. But yeah. it, for all intents and purposes, it is me, and it, it, yeah. it is. So freaky. I mean, I work in IT as well, so it's absolutely horrible. <laughs> um, like, I, I just have the thoughts of like being called to like go to some external office to help them out, and no one being around and getting locked in an office. Like, in my in a past job, um, I once um, when I was working in Bristol, I once had to go down to Plymouth by myself to to an office, an old, uh, a newer office that was empty. Because um, they needed someone there, so BT could come in and install the um, the internet and stuff. So I got there pretty early, and I was in the office all day, no internet, no anything. So I've just sat in this office. Um, I don't even think in power. There must have been power, but it, it felt like I'd never been to Plymouth before as well. The office was in the middle of the no- of nowhere, or the, at the end of some retail estate, and I'm just in this empty, cavernous place that is dark. Even though it's a sunny day, there's bits of the office that the sun doesn't touch, and it's just awful like there weren't desks out they were like upside down chairs and stuff and it was yeah. like it, it just thinking back now the dread i spent like eight hours waiting in that place and then bt didn't even show up <laughs> um and, and then like, it gives me flashes back to, uh, like reading this gives me flashes to that and i back oh, then i was i was younger and so- uh there's some uh, pages in this that are going to really trigger your PTSD. Yeah, I, I bet. But like back <laughs> back then, I, I was I was younger and hadn't fully uh, contemplated the full hellscape of the uh, the nine to five office uh, experience. So for me at the time, I was just it was an inconvenience. That was yeah. a bit. That was a bit like I hope there's no like rats in here or anything like that. But like now, the world has damaged my psyche to such a degree that uh, old me. Wouldn't last five seconds in that place. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, I, I do a lot of thinking about the nine-to-five office hellscape. I have done for most of my life that I've spent in the nine-to-five office hellscape. You've given me a lot to bounce off there. So um, going back to what you were saying about, like, um, the severance, first of all, all I ever hear about severance is, Greg, don't watch it, it'll upset you. <laughs> i do think you should watch it but also you shouldn't watch it <laughs> yeah um, um the other thing is um yeah you talk about like um the way you're talking about it as if you're playing it like a game it's a really interesting piece of work in the fact that it inhabits that space between comics and games um and it it is so immersive 
and that again it, for me this is like another thing that i can i can put it up on a, a pin board um with a bit of string leading to you know like the center which is the power of sequential art and what 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 sequential art is capable of doing and capable of being and this is like another facet of that um another facet of the like the billion-sided shape that is sequential art the unfathomable un um uh, unperceivable million billion-sided shape that is sequential art that is some kind of like object in the nth dimension that you can't you can't ever look at it all but yeah um and it's it's just um it, you talk about like liminal horror and, and liminal spaces and things and i'm going to get onto that in a minute but like it, it it has this like really simple and clean flat graphic style like the art in this for starters and it, it's perfect for the jarring and strange journey that you end up taking as you wonder the infinite hallways of 2120 as you said like the hallways are infinite um it is liminal horror at its finest and there's all these like strange abandoned spaces lit by neon tubes buzzing away. Uh, as you go on this journey through this old office space, it's empty and it's endless and it is addictive. Um, like I sat for this for hours, just backpedaling and going through different possibilities and solving puzzles. Like I was playing it less like you were, less methodically. And what I was doing was I was just going in and just like, just, just like I'll go for that door and see where that takes me. And then like, once I got to that door, what I did was I created like a mental save point. I'm like, right. Okay. So here's this hallway <laughs> and I will explore that route. And then like, I will reload my save and go back to page, whatever. That is kind of like, yeah, in a similar way. Uh, yeah, I guess it's cheating though, I guess. But yeah, yeah. I guess you're, you're more running in gung ho while I'm trying not to, to yeah. miss clues and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but this is why I would last longer than you, man. <laughs> yeah and you'd be, i reached you'd be I eaten reached, by something i reached several me. different endpoints actually yeah so um and i was unraveling the mystery at the center of the book and, and it's a work that slowly eases you into the existential dread and after a while it becomes like the enigma of amagara fault like the holds made for, the hole is made for you you have to climb <laughs> deeper like <laughs> that's this, what i found about this, this book this uh, desk chair and cubicle are made for you <laughs> It's my desk chair. It's my shape. It's got my book groove in it. Yeah. Um, it's so unsettling and compelling. Like, I just couldn't stop. And, like, you just... It's such an atmosphere. It's so effective and still... Like, because every it's like the distillation of imagery down to um, its core shapes and concepts. But it is so effective. And it's just this unassuming... And it goes from unassuming and non-threatening to existential hell ride so quickly <laughs> and i'm 100 here for it um and it's it's so really just dis- really disturbing when it needs to be it's incredible work um, yeah and, and that's the thing I, I might be uh blame some like ignorance or something which i probably am because i'm not like some hot shot in say the choose your own Ex- uh, adventure space or anything like that so i'm sure many books have done this but this is the first style of of this type of book um, where, like like I was saying previously, most of, most of ones were, were like adventures where you go back and forth, back and forth. But this is the first one for me where like, and I don't really want to spoil it, so I'm to speak about it as vaguely as possible. But where the directions back and forth uh, uh, are like as expected, but then 
Um, doing some of the puzzles reveals the page number uh, as the thing. Like that stuff made it feel way more, even more interactive to me um, in a way that I hadn't really experienced in this medium. Um, so, like, I'm sure it's probably been done before, but that's something that just felt. Yeah. It, it turned it into an active text in in, in yeah. a way that. Uh, a lot, a lot of uh, like comics that we read are more passive texts, or yeah. uh, in a in a in a broad general sense. So I guess yeah, they can all be active, uh, especially when I read something where I'm always thinking, oh, that that relates to blah 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 blah. But like just in the the general mechanics of reading this and and traversing the pages, it, it, that elements like that really did make it feel like I was playing an actual point and click adventure. Yeah, because that is that is a point and click thing and not a choose your own adventure thing. Because I've I used to have the goosebumps choose your own adventure books. Um, you know where you could like it, at the bottom of the page it tells you turn to this page or turn yeah, to yeah. that page. Yeah, I used to have the goosebumps ones because there was some goosebumps ones and um, it yeah it's it's um it's like you open this door go to page yeah. sixty nine and blah 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 yeah, yeah 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 and it's yeah it's um it's it's pretty cool in that way. Uh, the puzzles in it are, are great. I think it's just so incredibly well put together. I really do. Um, and it really does capture the mundane sickness and blank utilitarian erasure of imagination and creativity that I experience upon walking into an office building. It it makes you really think about the design of the office building and the design elements that most office buildings share. Like, all this, all the way that the, the the whole thing is built to keep drones as drones, eliminate free and eliminate free thought, and like this neon lighting that, especially when you work away from windows and things, it's like is it day or night? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Without a clock in these places, time becomes subjective, and it's just it's that it, it really does capture that, like you know. And there's like little lines like, I, have I been here for hours? Have I been here for days? You know, it's just, it's that kind of thing. And I, I've, I've felt that I really have. <laughs> and like, um, like uh, speaking about the, like the art and the look, I think what aids that unsettling feeling is that there, there's elements of it where it feels like a design handbook or an instruction guide, just in the use of fonts the way that the page directions are done in these like blocks with like yellow and like uh, like blocked numbers and the, the the way the writing in like the the boxes like your thoughts are uh, conveyed it almost is like a color ikea um manual in the sense where there's a sort of process to it and some of the the the, the the designs of things that are in these various rooms do have this sort of clean design look like this is what my uh, coffee uh, table should look like at this stage. And I think that aids this unsettling feeling of uh, like sterileness. Mm. Like like it, it feels like you're in this almost airless void while while you're lost in these hallways and like you said the neon lights like this awful like uh like sickening flat lightning uh lighting sorry so when you turn a corridor and it's just like it's near blinding and you're like uh 
get me out of here. And so you're like, walk, you're just going through hallway after hallway. And then you're just, suddenly you're just in this like massive room or something. And you're like, or like you get to the end of a hallway and it's like, 15 doors looking at you and you're like oh my god (laughs) like all of it it just works so well to like push you out of your comfort zone yeah it is great in that way do you remember the windows 95 horror tumbler uh vaguely yes yeah yeah it it reminds me of that in a big way (laughs) um because there used to be there was this um there was like a Tumblr page of like uh, this person doing like mock um, screenshots of Windows 95, uh, but with like, um, like, like different error messages and things and like everything was glitched out and unsettling and you have messages like whatever blood is left inside you is mine now too, like that kind of stuff. Um, when to run windows in safe mode lock your doors and take mother out of storage like you know yeah, that kind of weird yeah, shit yeah and it's got that real that real kind of vibe about it and i used to love that i used to eat that stuff up and and that's that's where i am uh with this as well because i i'm i'm really into that kind of stuff i'm really into the vibe it has um, uh, and yet, also as i continue I was going to say just like a final note about the system, which it, it runs really smooth and I love the interactivity. Like we've been saying, uh, remember to take a notepad, like I said at the top, but, um, yeah, that's, that, that was my, f- have you got, what, what did you want to add? Yeah, I've got a few thoughts. So uh, one, before I forget it, the other thing that I was labeling, uh, going to lump in with this and, and severance and the various other scary liminal office horror was the back rooms, which are these like a series of, uh, like uh i'll say amateur but like they're really like short horror uh movies but they're mostly done by like one or two teenagers which makes them really interesting because there's like special effects and stuff using them so uh i'll definitely check uh, that out because i think um that falls into this space of just scary um uh office spaces but um yeah like uh, other other thoughts uh like that i just have is that um like you, and this is a point that Rahul brought up as well, um, man, like, I, I would just prefer this physical because, um, so we, we've got access to it via, like, uh, like PDFs, um, and I'm reading it on my iPad, and it is annoying, like, when it's, like, you're on page 20, and then you walk through a door, and it says, that's on page 70, you go to page 70, and then um, you do a thing or the room's empty and then you've got to go all the way back to like page 20 or something like that. Like it, when you've got a physical book, uh, it's so easy and nicer to do that to go back to where you were. Or sometimes you keep a finger in it as you're going like, but like doing it digitally is kind of can, can be a bit uh, tedious. So it's, it's this is a wild thing to me for me where you're like, you know, I'm, I'm Mr. Like I, I've got, my collection of physical stuff but most of the stuff i read these days is uh is digital so like uh people that listen to the cast will know that i'm a bit of a evangelist for that but yeah man this is when that whole book smell and the tactile nature of a book thing really does matter because i would prefer to hold this and and go back and forth as i go through these doors and, and stuff but also one of the things that tripped me up and i was mentioning this to to greg earlier is um I maybe got 50 pages in 
to this, viewing it on a single screen mode. And <laughs> I got to a page where it was very clear that, no, this is meant to be a splash page. And I went to the next page. And yes, that was the second half of the page. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, how many pages have I just been seeing like half <laughs> of the of the thing? And I was thinking, yeah. oh, no wonder. Because um, one, of, one of the fun things of like these this sort of structure of book is the semi-spoilery nature of of going back and forth between the pages because in text you don't really see what's written on these pages unless like some wild word captures your eyes and you're like dracula but this is a book about i don't know trucks or something like that why is dracula on page 100 i wonder how i get to that but on on in this uh, you'll just see something as you're going back and forth. And I guess if you're flicking back and forth on a physical, you wouldn't see it as much. But it is kind of fun on the iPad to be I'm scrolling back and forth. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, I, I won't even say what they are because they're really cool to find yourself. Yeah. But you'll see something and, and yeah. be like, what the hell is that? Like, I'm looking forward to whatever that is. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> yeah, it's freaky really as hell. Weird, some yeah. really weird shit in there. Yeah, like you'll just see yeah. it. You'll, you'll catch a glimpse of a page and, you're, and I'm like, yeah. what? What? So that is kind of a fun thing. I mean, yeah. if you're a, a super purist and you wouldn't want it spoilers, you, I guess you'd hate that. But for me, it's, it's, kind of, it's a fun side effect of having to read it this yeah. way. But yeah, the... Um, the uh, not 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 um, seeing the second half of like this pages, I had to just go back. I went back to the beginning, uh, set set it set the PDF reader to two page mode, <laughs> and uh, suddenly I was like, oh, because there were pages that as I was skipping by, I was like, but I'm miles away from that room now, or that's the starting room. Why haven't I seen that side yeah. of the room? And it's like, oh, it's just because I. I like it was yeah. it would be a splash page if I was so, reading it physical so yeah. um word of warning it, yeah word of warning but I think that the delivery mechanism for this digitally would probably incorporate that like yeah. uh, comics do and it's just because we're viewing it in a pre-release uh, pdf mode but also yeah. go to your lcs or your or your local bookshop uh, or just it, just Go straight to the Avery Hill website. Yes, and, and get it physical because I want this physical. And yeah. this is me, Mister Digital iPad Guy. Get it, um, get it, get it physical. Yeah, I mean, like the he has another book as well, by the way, George Wiesel, um via Avery Hill, which um, I'm just looking at now. Um, which is another one that is in a similar vein because it's about early internet culture. It's called Internet Crusader. Uh, um, is- is this kind of like a hypnospace outlaw thing where are you like going through web pages at a computer uh, screen or something? Um, I don't think it's point and click like this one is. I don't think it's it's that it's got that kind of point and click system, but it definitely has like a lot of um, that early internet culture stuff in it. Um, and it's about, um, let's see, so what does it say here? Um, ever have one of those days where you're talking to a smoking hot chick online and she turns out to be a robot working for an evil cult (laughs) (laughs) and that hot chick sends a computer virus masters dirty pictures and that computer virus allows Satan to come through everyone's computers and hypnotize them. But the family computer has parental locks so you don't get the virus. And then God messages you to say you're the only person on earth who can save human existence. (laughs) Anyway, that's the setup for part of this book. Whomst among us hasn't had that happen. I know, right? Part graphic novel and 100% true, a deep dive into early internet culture from creator of Ghosts, etc. by George Wiseau. 
so, yeah, that, that that sounds like my jam, definitely. I'm, I'm um, going to be ordering that as well, I think. And especially following, <laughs> like, reading this. I'm looking forward yeah. to, to getting to the various endings. And um, yeah. uh, I think we'll be in a situation where, like with our... Uh, when we revisited Made in Korea, yeah. I think next time Rahul is on, um, we might... Um, and hopefully this will be out by then, that we can go, like, full spoilers and, and dig in a bit, because um, yeah. Rahul will... Lot, Rahul will have a lot of really interesting insights onto the the sort of uh, uh, Ludo uh, like video gamey like puzzle e side of it that I think would be yeah. really interesting. So um, I would I would be like to return to this, especially because I would have completed it then and just full full deep dive into it. Um, but yeah, I I give it a hearty recommendation. Me too. Like I'm, I'm giving it a, a, a stamp of approval, um, and uh, I, I, I kind of want um, Internet Crusader as well. Um, <laughs> so I, I think I might, I might end up buying Internet Crusader, and then uh, when I've got that, I will have to do a dive on that as well because that also sounds incredible. Um, and yeah, so that is that is a uh, twenty one twenty available via um, Avery Hill or. Um, I'm assuming it might be in some of your local comic shops. Um, possibly the kind of thing you'd find in Gosh Comics. Um, and uh, yeah, so that that's uh, available for pre-order now and it's out in May, uh, like we said at the top. So yeah, I mean, I think that brings us to the end of today's comics. So uh, that has been Ace Comicals episode... 129 you can find us in all the usual places www.acecomicals.com which is the hub for everything we do twitter is where we're most active at ace comicals um an oasis in the hellscape that is the bluebird app um so yeah you can come to us and and tweet at us and you know if you've read some of the books we've discussed today or or anything like that or when you do read some of the books we've discussed today uh give us a shout and tell us what you think um leon where can we find you you can find me on twitter at Leon Error. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter under at Bato. Um, same rules apply to the Ace Comicals account. I'm always down for a chat about comics. Um, and uh, yeah, so that has been Ace Comicals. That is Ace Comicals 129. Over and out. <laughs>